Andy Brownell on this Monday morning, along with Sheriff Kevin Torgerson on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, Andy. Good to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you on again. Um, yeah. Yeah. Have you recovered from what I understand was an extremely busy holiday, Fourth of July holiday? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is. I, I told I told you off the air before we started, and I'll I'll say this part again is that. My wife made a comment to me during the day on the 4th of July that she's kind of looking forward to the days when we have a normal 4th like other people because uh, we just don't have normal 4th of Julys at our house. It's not been that way for 20 plus years. So. <laughs> um, yeah, so we, we direct a running race that we've done and started as a uh, to support the cross country team in Stewartville where we live and our kids were running cross country at the time and you know, we wanted to send the kids to a meet over in Wisconsin and do a few different things. And so, you know, we thought everybody else has got booster clubs down here. Why don't we have a booster club? So we started a booster club, and 24 years later, we're still doing the race. And Even though your and, kids are uh, long gone from the uh, high school cross-country team. Yeah, long, long gone from that. And, you know, my son is probably thinking about it. His daughter is now starting to play some sports, so... Um, yeah, we're into that second generation of that. But anyway, it was, it was something we started, and it's been uh, actually, when you look at the whole Rochester Running Club, formerly the Rochester Track Club calendar of races, um, uh, of the small races, smaller distance races, you know, like Lewiston with the Fools Five, it's probably in, you know, been traditionally the number of participants in the the top five of small races here in southeast Minnesota, not not including the big Med City Marathon and the Healthy Human Race Half Marathon and some of those, but um, yeah, it's been a very popular race, so uh, we're we're excited for it and it brings people in from all over. We have people come back from Texas oh, wow. almost every year, and uh, they've got relatives up here. They come up here for the fourth and and run the race as part of their family tradition. So, uh, you know, and then. Um, Mother Nature, did, Mother Nature didn't help you this year, though. No, Mother Nature was not fun. She was a little ornery on on the 4th of July in the morning, and we saw it coming, and she, uh, you know, the initial plans were the weather was that she was going to be, it was going to be wor- much worse. And I know in the Twin Cities, they canceled, completely canceled, their mm-hmm. big red, white, and boom race, which is a huge 4th of July race up in the Twin Cities. And... Um, so I was getting messages, you know, from all over. You guys still have the race, and I'm like, well, we're going to try. So we're we're set up. So what the heck? Let's give it a shot. So then, right before we were supposed to start it, and it's two races. One is a five mile race, and another is a three mile race. And the five mile is a special race, part of the Grand Prix for the Rochester Running Club. They run all kinds of different distances and things, and then they get awards at the end of the year. And uh, yeah, it was. Within 10 minutes beforehand in my phone, I get the notice that lightning has struck within 10 miles from where I'm at. And that's kind of our, our, uh, okay, put everything on hold here. So we unfortunately had to tell everybody as they're warming up and get ready to go for the five mile, but sorry, we're going to delay this thing. And, and then, you know, it did get pretty dicey for a bit. And then it just simply more, more than anything dissipated from the, the strong rain. And the winds and stuff that was associated with a, a storm, and then it just flat out rained. So we canceled our five mile, and everybody ran the three, and we had kids running. We had one little kid, 
such a cute thing. All right, little, it's a free half mile fun run for the kids and, and after everything's over and this one kid was heard because it was still raining and it was raining hard at some points, just not lightning. So we could do it. And, and this little kid looked up at his dad at the start of the, the, the kids race and they all started in their age group. So we have them all lined up. And this kid looked up, you mean, Dad, I really get to run in the rain? Yeah, people were coming across the finish line, all muddy. A couple of people had slipped on the, the, the trails because it's, it's not a road race. It's a more than anything. It's really a cross-country race. It's grass and some paved trail and a gravel road and, um, you know, primitive trail, we call it, with grass and dirt and some roots in there. And um, it's just a really wild, I, I say it's a kind of a schizophrenic race because they're never on any one surface for more than half a mile at a time. They're always switching from one type of surface to another. And um, so it's, you, uh, it's really fun. Are you the fun. one who decided this course? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I created this madness and... So next year is our 25th year, so we'll be wow. looking forward to that. And then maybe we'll hand it off to somebody else because it is getting to be a lot of work. <laughs> but we'll see. It's uh, the cross-country team All and right. their booster club do a good job and help us out. So, Well, we'll check in uh, and see where you're at a year from now. Yeah, hopefully it it'll be a nice, yourself again. nice sunny day. We've had, we had There was one hot day where we had some people... Imagine in a three-mile race that people would dehydrate, but they did. And we had some. We had one year where we had uh, some folks that were pretty sick. But wow. Other than that, it's always been just beautiful for a race. It's always been nice. And then this year, finally, we had had a bad day. But oh well. That's what you, you know, get. I think about that too. The Med City Marathon had the same experience. They started out their morning with thunder and lightning, yeah. and had yeah. a delay, and it rained. And yeah. then later in the day, it cleared off just like it did on the 4th. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, and, and got hot, got warm. And got yeah. hot, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So also, since the last time we talked, um, once again, um, State County Sheriff's Office was among the, I don't know how many law enforcement agencies in the region that participated in the Special Olympics Torch Run. Yeah, yeah, that's just another great annual event that really is meant, I mean, we sell t-shirts and people can buy t-shirts, we'd sell them to anybody, it doesn't matter, you don't have to just be a participant, but the t-shirts are uh, just one part of it as a fundraiser for Special Olympics, but obviously we put a lot of our effort here locally into the Polar Plunge and, you know, we've talked about that in past uh, times together so our big money fundraiser for special Olympics is the plunge here obviously and so the torch run is really you know basically that kind of uh simulated event that's like the the olympics that we're sure. all familiar with they run the torch and stuff like that so in in law enforcement and with our, our association with special olympics worldwide we do a law enforcement torch run and uh, the law enforcement officers are uh, given the name as Guardians of the Flame of Hope is what it's about. So that's that's kind of what it is. And so it's really symbolic. And we have been running our, our torch run here from Rochester. Many years we went to Owatonna. This is probably, golly, it's got to be looking like 35th year or something like that that we've done it. So we went to Owatonna several years, Faribault a few years. One year, I think we ran all the way up to Lakeville, we went through Cannon Falls, took a lot of the side roads, tried to stay off Highway 52 as much as we could, um, but ended up in Lakeville. 
and we got there and and we had we thought we had people going to meet us there and there was nobody there and we're like well that didn't work well <laughs> um i don't know what happened lakeville pd and dakota whatever there's just something just fell apart on that and anyway um then we <clears throat> my association and my wife's with special olympics we connected with some people from hastings <clears throat> and uh, excuse me and uh they have a great team there called the Hastings Sharks Special Olympics team. And, of course, the Rochester Flyers here. And <clears throat> we made a connection. And we said, you know what? Let's run the torch up to Hastings. So for most years that we've done it, it's got to be 12 years now, 10, 12 years, we've been running it to Hastings. And then last year we got up there and Hastings Sharks have this big party. And, you know, it's kind of a in a in a park and <clears throat> there's treats and ice cream and stuff. And I'm sitting there last year and I'm going, why are we running it backwards? You know, <laughs> let's go the other way. Let's let the flyers have a little bit of this fun because the flyers don't show up. I mean, a few do at, at our start, but it's at seven o'clock in the morning. Some of them, you know, the, our, our athletes, they work and things like that. So um, this year we flipped it. We started in Hastings at seven and started biking at seven thirty and, and we biked through one or from between towns, and then we the bikers. There was uh, seven, six of us, I think, this year, six or seven of us that biked the entire route, ninety-two, ninety-five miles. And uh, uh, then we get to each town, and somebody runs through each town. Usually, it's law enforcement officers, some other community members. Um, and then we, if there's some athletes that are available during the time we go through, we say hi to the athletes, take some pictures. And then on, the bikers take over and charge to the next town. And so we go through Hastings and Red Wing, Lake Cities, Zambroda, a little stint into Pine Island, and then uh, finish up in Rochester this year. And uh, we had a, just a huge crowd of the flyers that were there and um, had a little gathering right out in front and ate a lot of watermelon in front of the government center here and just had a great time. So next year we'll go backwards. We're going to go... Even you know, flip it back and forth then, huh? Yep, we're going to do even years, come to Rochester and start in Hastings, and next year the odd years will start in Rochester and go to Hastings. So That's so a great cause. It's so a great uh, yeah, great opportunity and so much fun. We had Faribault Police involved this year. It's the first time we've had a Faribault PD. Of course, John Sherwin left here with Rochester PD, and I said, Chief, when you got to the chief, <laughs> I said, Chief, you got one thing I need you to do. I need you to keep bringing people from Faribault PD to the plunge, and you got to participate in the torch run. And he had four runners and two biker, bikers, uh, Faribault police officers that came over, first time ever. So uh, he he held his up end of the bargain up, and, and it worked out <laughs> great. So uh, Faribault prison people, Red Wing prison people help out. Um, Federal Medical Center here, they always have uh, runners and bikers involved, so it's a, just a great opportunity to, to really celebrate Special Olympics. And, of course, then the torch run leads up to the summer games where the following weekend then with um, up in, in uh, Stillwater with the state track meet, track and field events, um, a two-day event. It's a huge event, and then two days of basketball tournaments, and then the weekend before was the huge swimming uh, meet at St. Thomas University. So, um, yeah, just a really busy June and leading into July. But that's, It's summer in Minnesota. you got to cram a lot do. into a way yeah. of an opportunity, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, All the right. short run's going really well. We're real excited for what's 
editing in the future. I should I should say this too. There'll be opportunities for volunteers in the future. In 2024, um, the International Torch Run Conference is coming to Minneapolis, um, and that'll bring in a thousand athletes, Special Olympics people, and, and officers from all over the world to Minneapolis to experience Torch Run and and we'll do it. It's usually in like late or middle October. So we're probably going to do a polar plunge in one of the lakes up in the cities and have some fun there. But then in 2026, the National Special Olympics competition, this is all the events from equestrian to, to swimming to track to basketball, uh, flag football. Every event is going to be represented and it's going to be hosted in mostly at the U of M. Um, but opening and closing ceremonies, opening for sure, is going to be at U.S. Bank Stadium. It's going to be just a tremendous event. I mean, this is, they, uh, it's a little smaller scale, but the event and the atmosphere is as exciting as the, uh, the Olympics that we, we may usually oh. watch on TV every four years. When they made the announcement about that coming, it, they, it's tens of thousands of people from across the world. Oh, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's not huge. a small event at all. It's huge. Yeah. Well, this is National Games. It's not the World Games. That would be a whole okay. other event. This oh, is National okay. Games. But there will be torch run going through the state from, you know, it, it'll come. In fact, they started this year. Oh, golly, they they ran a torch run continuously all the way down the East Coast because it was down in Orlando. And uh, I haven't heard yet how they're going to run the torch run here when they come in 2026. But, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a huge event. And, we, you know, there's people they are going to need volunteers all over the map and businesses right. and things getting involved. So if there's people oh. listening, <laughs> uh, stay tuned. We'll be putting out some calls for, for volunteers because uh, it's just a tremendous event and so uplifting. Uh, again, I, I could talk all day about special right. like athletes. Well, unfortunately, we don't have all day. but I know, I know. <laughs> put that on your calendar for four years from now. The summer yeah. might be busy. Let's put it that way. Oh, it will be. All right. I know I will be busy. That's the the sheriff's here. Sheriff Kevin Torgerson with us this morning on Rochester Today. We'll be back in just a moment on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 This is the Family Service Rochester Mental Health. We're with the Sheriff Kevin Torgerson. I'm Andy Brownell on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Uh, Sheriff, I saw in your newsletter that after it's been years, things are getting back to normal as far as operations are concerned in yeah. the Elmstead County Jail. Yeah, as far as the, as far as the jail and or detention centers, we're, I think I'm supposed to call it. Okay. Um, anyway, the detention center. Um, yeah, everything is uh, you know it's it's full go basically, and it's really not so much that it was on us; it was on the court system. Um, of course, because of COVID from March of 2020 all the way through till end of May. So it was the first week of June that uh, the courts were fully open, meaning that they were handling all probate and all civil and all misdemeanor trials and cases and just doing everything that they had put on hold since way back into March of 2020. So what that does then is, uh, you know, that keeps the detention staff uh, and the potential for more people staying in the detention centers, um, you know, the numbers start going up. So we, uh, we've been hovering, well, during COVID, we were hovering around 50 to 60 people. 
they had minimized sentences. Well, not minimized sentences. They'd, they'd put some people out on you know, some kind of monitoring, either electronic or alcohol monitoring or something like that, and probation was monitoring all of those things as, as best as they could. And, uh, you know, so the numbers dwindled down. And then, of course, they were doing a lot that they could that if it was nonviolent crimes, then the courts were not holding people inside. They were, again, putting them out on what's called pretrial release, which is like pretrial probation is how I've described it. So they're responsible to somebody, and then, of course, they have to show up when their court dates are set um, or they get warrants. And uh, so we've been dealing with a lot of those challenges uh, for the last two years, basically, and now we're full full speed ahead. The numbers in the jail, we, we were averaging, I think I started to mention that, we were averaging around 50 to 60 people in the detention center during COVID. And now we're, I uh, just checked before we started talking, we're at 87. Um, after the 4th of July weekend, that that Tuesday, we were up to 103. Oh, it's and, been a long uh, time since you've seen those. Yeah, we hadn't been in triple digits in, well, since before March of 2020. And uh, so... You know, again, we're not all about locking people up and taking their liberty away like that. But, you know, if if somebody uh, does something so egregious in our community that uh, they need to have some time out, we're here to give them that time out. So we're willing to do that if that's what's necessary. And that's what the judges and the county attorney's office and the attorneys do is they figure out who needs to stay there. And and uh, we'll certainly accommodate them if that's what the judges and the court system as necessary so you mentioned that the failure to appeal appear in court um yeah aspect of this and that is one thing i have because i look at these every single day yes cases and it's obvious to anyone who looks that you've seen an enormous increase in failure to appear yeah that's yeah. more for you to do your office because you yep. eventually have to track these people down yeah sheriffs are uh, by statute are required to um, basically handle all paper servicing that comes out of the court system within your county. And and so that's whether it's civil or criminal. So uh, civil, it's usually some kind of order from a judge. And then if it's criminal, it usually turns into a warrant. And so that's where our warrant office is. And we've got some people that are um, real busy over there at this point in time, both clerical as well as as the licensed staff and trying to find these people and, and track them down wherever they are. It's, you know, we get, bring them in from other states. We, you know, bring them in right, right in the neighborhood nearby here. So, um, All right. we just want people to show up to court and answer to your charges. And if you didn't do it, then argue that you didn't do it. The arguments can be had in court. That's where the, that's what it's designed for. That's how the system is set up to work. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. All right. Already time to take a break for news. We'll do that, and we will return with more of Sheriff Kevin Torgerson this morning. It's Rochester Today on Rochester's News Talk, 1340, KROC AM, and 96.9 FM. Are you constantly having to put up with a damn... Good morning with the Sheriff, Sheriff Kevin Torgerson. With us, I'm Andy Brownell, News Talk, 1340, KROC AM, and 96.9 FM. Uh, the most recent Olmstead County Board meeting, Kevin, had a discussion concerning something you brought up a couple of years ago or a year ago, I think it was, mm-hmm. about space needs uh, in the county and the current government center and the possibility of <laughs> some major changes. Uh, yeah. What happened at yeah. the meeting on, uh, last week? 
Well, last week, um, our uh, director of facilities and building operations, Matt Miller, um, brought to the board really their first look at it. There's been a lot of conversation, as you mentioned, for quite a number of years now, three, four years, I suppose, about <clears throat> what to do with space. As, as you would remember, um, this building, the government center was put in place in uh, 1990. Now I can't remember. Three, three or four. 92 three? or 93. Yeah, I know I was there because I did a colors presentation thing, but I don't remember what year it was. Um, anyway, 93. Uh, so we're coming up on, uh, what is that now? It's going to be 30 years. 30 years, yeah. And <laughs> they talked about the detention center, and we talked about it with our Department of Corrections uh, people that you know monitor what we do and make sure that we follow all the rules and do the audits and everything. And, and they're really great people, and they, you know, they real happy with how we take care of our building here and and the detainees and things and they're always looking for things we can improve but they would tell you that you know most jails expected life of a jail is about 30 years well here we are we're right on the cusp of that and uh you know we're like holy cow we don't we don't want to build a new place but We've got challenges right now that we've been bringing to the board. And a few years ago, uh, 2015-16, we were looking at max capacity um, based on how the Department of Corrections classifies people. So everybody has a different classification. And there's some people who, if, they, if they're um, charged or convicted previously, uh, they don't have to be actually convicted, but charged or commit some kind of an assault. So charged with a violent offense or commit an assault in the jail. It doesn't have to be against staff or it could be against to get in a fight with another detainee. They can't have a roommate. <laughs> they can't have a, their room can't be double bunk because then that's a one, that's just one classification. And obviously if there's mental illness and some other handicaps or different things like that, that um, might separate them. Those people have to be separate. Obviously we can't keep males and females together. And then if you have someone who comes in, um, when they first get arrested, they have to serve, you know, during COVID, we were serving 14, 21 days of, of quarantine time that they couldn't mix with anybody. So all of our beds, which we have 202 of them in the detention center, um, that's great. But we can't fill every single one of them like was designed and talked about back in 1993, 4, and 5 when they went through all the, the initial changes and development of it, the DOC has added all of these uh, classifications now since then, these last 29 years. And so now our max capacity isn't 202. It's usually right around 165, 170, which in 2015 and 16, we were just about maxed out and uh, looking that we might have to send some detainees other places because we don't have room. And so that's when we really started talking about, okay, what do we do? And our, our female um, area is most challenging. We, when we first started here, the females were, uh, yeah, we maybe have five or six ladies inside at a time. And then in that 15, 16 period, we were looking at 30, 35, and we were moving people around and we didn't have a space big enough for the women. So we were sending them to other detention centers and, and transporting them all over the place, getting them back for court and returning them. And, oh, my goodness, it was just, you know, we were driving everywhere. 
And so that's when it really started. The talk started happening. Well, then COVID happened and boom, the numbers plummeted and, you know, the releasings were going on and we weren't arresting certain people on certain warrants and just a whole host of things changed during COVID. Uh, but one thing stayed constant. Uh, we don't have a place where we can keep our females that allows them to have what's one of the requirements is outdoor recreation. In other words, to be able to breathe fresh air at a very at different times of the day. And most of our male units have that, but our females don't. And we've got to fix that. And we've got to fix a few other things that the current facility doesn't allow for because of these, um, some of these, uh, uh, classifications that they have. So we've uh, been talking about that for quite a while. And now at the board meeting the other day, the uh, the board basically looked at the initial plans from Matt Miller and his people and, and said, uh, okay, we're going to, we got to start doing some things. And one of those is to create the government center and turn it into the justice center where the only functions inside this building could end up being nothing's written down, nothing's in ink yet. Um, that would not be criminal justice related is the county, um, uh, IT. So internal technology people. I don't know if that's what the IT stands for, but technology. Um, and our county admin because they would be working with the board and the county boardroom and the meetings rooms related to the board, but the rest of it would be. Um, sheriff's office, county attorney's office, and courts, and probation. Um, so that's kind of the way we're headed, and uh, they need to start making some decisions. And then potentially, um, the women, uh, we would build a more secure um, part of the annex, which is the building across the street to the south from here. Uh, we could potentially be moving our women over there and uh, getting them the outdoor rec and getting a place where they will, uh, you know, meet all the standards that are set by the Department of Corrections. So we'll see. Well, it's uh, a lot to be done. And, uh, you know, all, so all those elements that are in here are county HR, property records licensing, where people come and get their visas and their licenses and all that kind of stuff. That all could move either across the street to the annex on the second floor was one idea, potentially at one of the campus buildings out by the prison the old state hospital grounds. There's a couple of buildings there that are not fully um, occupied at this time. Or uh, at the end of the meeting, the potential of building a whole new county administration kind of meeting or um, services building out there by the campus too in another location out there. So there's a lot of ideas and it sounds like what the board said yesterday, it's all in public records. So I'm not telling any secrets. It's uh, the board is uh, this board, which has four retiring, I think it's four retiring commissioners that have served a lot of time. Commissioner Padalki, Flynn and Brown have been in commissioners for 20 plus years or so. Uh, and then Jim Beer, they're all done. They're not running. And they decided yesterday that with that amount of knowledge and experience as commissioners and working on all of these aspects of the county for as many years as they have, it's right for them to decide to make this decision on what path they're going to go with buildings and and housing the services the county must provide to the community by this board making that decision and not leaving it to 
uh, a new board with people who have never done anything like this before trying to make these decisions in a very timely manner because these things need to be done. We've, we're running out of space in a lot of ways, and obviously I've described our ch biggest challenge with the detention center and our females and how we care for them. And, and the, right now the building doesn't allow us to meet the standards, so we've got to do something. Okay, so did they make a decision on which path to go towards, whether to build a new administration building out of the campus or they, that the other was, option? Yeah, right at the end of the meeting, they that was kind of where they decided was they want to see, they want the facilities people and uh, the architecture firm to create some plans towards potentially building a new building out at the government center or out at the campus. And and then uh, what's it going to look like to do what we need to do uh, for the women and detention and work release and um, even they even mentioned uh, bringing back a juvenile detention uh, area so that we can we don't have to run our juveniles when we have some pretty challenging kids uh, up to Anoka or Dakota or somewhere else so we would keep them here at least temporarily till they go to court and again look at the timeout aspect of things when they need that break away from whatever is causing these kids to act out and do some pretty silly and dangerous things. So this would start the process. Yes. Is there yeah. a timeline to actually I decide well, on what to actually do? Yeah, it's it sounds like this board, they've got till December 31st to make a decision. And then, of course, that earmarks a whole bunch of money because it's not easy and you don't build a building for a couple thousand dollars. It's going to be millions <laughs> that they will then set aside and say, this is how we're going to use the money, whether it's through bonding or reserve money that they have set aside because the county's got a, is really a stable financial um, organization. Um, so whether it's bonding or, or other funds that they can gain from other places, um, th that's the path, and they want to make this decision by the end of the year. So they've got uh, well, the clock's ticking less than six months to make this happen. That's a lot of work to be done. In fact, they put a meeting on my calendar uh, yesterday afternoon for tomorrow afternoon to begin some talk uh, with us about uh, where we okay. involve us. So it's moving fast. It's on the fast track. Do you have... Um, any ultimatum from the Department of Corrections concerning the women's facility when that needs to be fixed? They, they haven't said it's, we're not like some of our other neighbors around where Fillmore County has been told and Winona County has been told. And I think there might be another one that's has said you need to do this or we're going to shut you down and you're only going to be able to hold people here for 24 hours or 36 hours because they've got some pretty old jails in those facilities in those counties. We're not there yet because the rest of our facility is in really great shape and and uh, there's a lot that we've been able to continue doing to meet all these needs. Um, it's just the women's side of it. So they're not at a point of saying we're going to shut you down, um, but uh, they haven't given us an ultimatum. I'll say that much. Okay. But they have told us that we need to be working towards a solution, and that's what we're doing. So they, right. they know they know we're we're trying to solve this problem for sure. Okay, we have to take another break, and uh, we've got a few minutes left in the show, so right. we'll return with the sheriff, Kevin Torgerson. It's Rochester today on News Talk thirteen forty KROC AM and ninety six nine. Here's a question for you. 
Why is it the sheriff this morning? Kevin Torgerson. I'm Andy Brownell. It's News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Uh, Kevin, you kick out your monthly newsletter. I always take time mm-hmm. to cruise through that. And on the, uh, I, I don't know if you call it statistics or numbers, whatever section it was. Yeah. That was interesting to see that the number of people seeking permits to carry and permits to purchase guns is trending significantly lower this year. Of course, last yeah, year they, was kind they, of an anomaly. Last year it was really super high. Yeah, they, it was. You know, you mean 2021, there's just permits to carry. So this is allowing people in our community to carry a weapon when they're out and about. That was just short of 2,100 people last year alone. And now those permits are good for five years. So five years from now, those 2,100 people are going to come back and potentially ask to be renewed after they go to a class and do all the prerequisite things. But uh, January through May this year, um, only 573 of those permits. And I don't, we don't break it down into how many of those are renewals and how many are new, but we can, we can, we can break those down. We keep very close track of that. Um, and then the per- permits to purchase is also uh, considerably less. Where last year we were at 1,366, and even in in 2020, the year of an unsettlement with COVID, as well as George Floyd, and you know all that went on that summer, uh, that was 2,260 permits to purchase were were uh, handed out. Um, but we're only at, at, we were at January through May, only at 468 of those permits to purchase this year. But I caution everybody when we talk about these, and, and it's just statistical stuff. So, it's, you know, how much does it really matter? Um, but uh, we're in an election year, and there's gonna, a lot going to be talked about. You know, we had, you know, unfortunately, another terrible shooting in, down in, uh, um, Chicago area the other day and of course the Uvalde and you've got you can just everybody just lists off all these places where these horrible terrible things happen and and those things uh, kind of events kind of spur people to think maybe I should get a gun maybe I should have one at home maybe I should get a permit to carry and so we see as this as this discussion happens amongst the people that are vying for elected offices and it becomes more reported in the news, and then you have an event like that, then the numbers start to creep up every every other year. But generally, every four years we see during the presidential and national election years, that's when we see the the so it's the numbers increase. But it's always in a in an up and down kind of wave um, as we go. But uh, it does keep our staff very busy. Our I front desk staff. Really uh, work hard on that and making sure that people who get these permits to carry or purchase um, are, are legal to have them. You know, that there's not um, any of the problems that maybe had caused it or would prevent them from getting them. So mental sure. health challenges, people who have domestic violence and assaultive behaviors and things like that. You know, we're not going to give those folks a permit. That's so just not going to happen. So... The other thing I was going to bring up, um, this year, your office and the Elm State County Fair Board is trying to make people, you're both trying to make people aware of, I guess, new rules for people. Yeah, it's not be... just during the fair, but people using Graham Park. Yeah, 
Yeah, a lot of things are evolving there, and I'm not. I know I was at one meeting there, and I know we've got some st- some staff that are working on some of those things, especially for the fair. But speaking specifically of the fair, you know, last year there were some challenges, and of course every year we know we we have kids in general. Uh, it's usually high school aged or even young uh, young adults, college age kids who. Apparently, for whatever reason, feel going to the fair and taking out a vendetta or some kind of a revenge on somebody is that's the place to do it. Um, well, that shouldn't be, and we don't want that to happen. But last year, it got to be even more challenging because we actually had to shut down one night early, and because uh, it just got to be a problem. Well, we've been, we have the Rochester Police Department, the city's, uh, the CERT team, the community uh, engagement group has been working. With the community and the fair board has been doing a lot with that. And we actually have a meeting, I think, is set up here in a week or two um, to talk about how this is all going to work. How are we going to all engage everybody during the fair? But there's, it's going to look different. The carnival is going to look a little different this year when you get there. But all of it is designed to make it as safe as possible for everybody. Um, and, you know, we're just not going to tolerate behaviors that are, uh, you know, create fear in other people. It's just it's not the place to do it. You're not going to do it in school. You're not going to be allowed to do it at the mall. Um, you're not going to be allowed to do it at the fair either. So uh, come, enjoy it, have fun, allow other people to have fun, and we'll have a great fair this year. So we're we're looking forward to it. It's, uh, you know, we want to want to set the table for future years of, of fun at the fair. Right. So the idea now is make it clear this this will get you kicked out and you're not coming back yeah. and you do these sort of things. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and that goes for the adults as well as the kids. It's not just all about the kids. I don't want to demonize the kids here because a lot of kids come to the fair and have a great time. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of adults that do that. But if you're adults and your kids are with you or they're not with you, um, and you, the fair is not a place for daycare. The fair is not a place to... Just forget about your kids for a couple hours while you go shopping or do whatever or take a nap or whatever. Um, you are responsible as an adult to make sure your kids are behaving and uh, we're going to hold people accountable. And I know the fair board wants that too because uh, we just want to have a good time and have fun and people want to show their exhibits and things they've worked yep. hard on all year and, and uh, not have to the fear of, you know, somebody's going to run them over or, you know, Pokes him into a fight or whatever. So, well, that's only frighteningly enough. That's only a few weeks away. Yeah, it is. It's just a couple <laughs> the weeks. The summer's out. zipping yeah. by. <laughs> it is going by real fast. And oh, guys on the radio, were, guys on the radio the other day were telling me how soon it's going to be before the first football game, and I'm like, wow, here we go. <laughs> here we go again. <laughs> how does yeah. that happen? Well, this hour is zipped by. I wish we had more time, Kevin. But uh, yeah. thank you so much and. Uh, we'll, I guess, connect again a month from now and see how things went at the fair the next yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure, you know, I, I hope the headlines are the fair was great and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, it was just a wonderful time of, again, people getting together in a great atmosphere. So let's open All right. for that and we'll, we'll see where we go. It has been a pleasure. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks, Andy. Ferguson, Olmstead County Sheriff. This morning on Rochester Today, News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 F. Almost 3 million people use Navaj.